To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's going on, guys? I uh, got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So today on the podcast, I have on Ike Eastman. Um, me and Ike, we sit down and we start talking antelope hunting, and I just love antelope hunting. It's it's one of my favorite hunts of the year. You just get tons of opportunity. They're really challenging. They live in open country, and so uh, really fun to sit down with Ike and talk about it. And and Ike's just a great guy. Like I really like our conversations, and that's you know whether we're on the podcast or or in person at the office or traveling. Ike is just a, a great guy with a great sense of humor, and he's extremely knowledgeable. Um, you know he, he takes the role of, of pretty much running Eastman's. Him and Guy, um, you know, are, are co-owners of it. But uh, he's really a leader, uh, extremely intelligent, and then just a great Western hunter. You know he he grew up following around. Mike Eastman, who's, who's written books on on elk hunting and deer hunting and antelope hunting, and so so he just he learned from the right guy. He's just a wealth of knowledge, and then he's got a ton of experience himself. And uh, growing up in Wyoming, you know that is the land of antelope. Like if there was one state, uh, I think he tells some statistics in there how many antelope Wyoming have, but. It is just a great place to hunt antelope, and so uh, there's a lot of good tidbits. Um, I learned a lot just talking to them about antelope hunting, about their their habits and their behaviors, and so um, I picked up some information, and and, uh, I'm sure you guys will too. Sponsor for today's show is Six Hour Optics. I'm really impressed with Six Hour Optics. Um, I started using their binoculars and their spotting scope. And I'm just really impressed at the at the clarity and and at the 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 color fidelity. I'm I'm impressed. They're just really making high end glass, and they're making it for a mid range price. I'm just really impressed at what they're putting out there. And then and then their range finders are just next level. I really think those are the top of the heap as far as range finders. And I've been using their their range finder here this season, a little bit last season, and. Man, oh man, you talk about accurate, whether it's dark or light targets, uh, it's got last target priority, it does angle compensating. I mean, for a bow hunter, uh, their rangefinders are off the hook, but for a rifle hunter, they've even got more features that you can, you know, you can get this app that's on your phone, and, and then it, 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 it talks back and forth to your rangefinder to to figure out exactly where to hold your rifle and there there's so much uh, great ballistic information in there it just making they're making it uh, to where it's so effective to hunt western game whether you're hunting with a bow or hunting with a rifle but I I'm just in love with their rangefinders and, and then their rifle scopes are next level as well um, they just make great rifle scopes and so uh, make sure to check them out uh, thanks to Six Hour for sponsoring the podcast. And uh, with that, um, yeah, gosh, uh, over there at Eastman's, um, I know guys are going on hunts. I saw Dan Picard knock down a nice six-point. Um, he helicoptered in someplace, uh, which is just wild. So I got to get him back on the podcast to talk about that. Um, I know Scott Reekers and Ike, they've been scouting for mule deer for this September 15th opener. And they found a couple good ones that they're trying to babysit and sit on and, and uh, trying to trying to figure out, um, you know, their patterns and where they're moving. So I, I'm just pumped. 
that season's here, and it, it's fun to be in touch with all these guys and, and uh, hear about their hunts. And then, you know, I've just had an amazing season so far, um, some really fun adventures. This this latest one in Colorado, um, it was just, it, man, it, it is... Um, it's what I absolutely live for, this backcountry hunting above 12,000 foot and and, uh, and just able to grind on this hunt and, and keep checking basins and then able to put it together on a nice, heavy, mature buck, um, long pack out. I just had to earn them and uh, so much fun. I just love hunting high country mule deer. And then got back and as we're talking antelope, uh, I got an antelope on my first stock, um, just a really nice heavy one, probably the heaviest antelope I've ever harvested. Um, he's got seven inch bases. It's only 12 and a half tall, but scores right around 75 or so. So just a super antelope. So stoked to have that. Me and my family just love antelope meat. So got all that processed and um, yeah, getting a little work done and um i just can't wait for september elk ruts coming up and um yeah, it's just a it's fun when hunting season gets here i just absolutely love it but we better get this thing rolling so it's me and ike eastman we're talking antelope it's eastman's elevated here we go Okay, I'm live with Ike Eastman here. I have Ike on um, today. I just want to talk to him about antelope hunting. We're we're just getting into the season of antelope for the bow guys and coming into the rifle season. So thanks a bunch for taking the time, Ike. I sure appreciate yeah. it. No problem, Brian. I, I appreciate you having me on. This is exciting. One of my favorite subjects right here is is uh, the prairie ghosts. So it's they're they're fun. They're a cool animal. Mine too. Um, I don't think there's anything that's more fun than going out and hunting antelope, and it's it's great as a as a veteran hunter. They're really challenging. I love the challenge with the bow and arrow, but it's a great starter hunt for guys as well to come out west and to try their luck and and to have a real good chance at some success. Yeah, absolutely. My my dad in in uh, a lot of his books and a lot of his writings for for thirty years has talked about a four year plan. And the, the, to start that is to get an antelope tag out west. If you're if you're new to it, new to western hunting, is is to get an antelope tag. Come out here, learn it. There's so much public land. There's so many animals. Um, you know, we have a joke in our office that it takes you between uh, 20 and 30 stalks on an antelope before uh, you can make it successful with with the you know with the sharp stick rig, and which is fun because you just blow one. You're like, well, I learned something from that. Let's go find something else. And, you know, an hour, two hours later, you find another one and stock in on him and blow that. And it, it's just a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Um, they're, they're a unique animal because, you know, they, they live in sometimes <laughs> there's been times where they live in what I call the moon. It's just as flat as a, fan, a pancake. You're like, I don't know how I'm going to get into rifle range, let alone archery range for this guy. And they got eyesight that's like an eight-power binocular. They have uh, unbelievable eyes for movement, um, you know. And they and they do call. You can actually call them. There's a there was a guy when I was in high school. Um, his name was uh, Eddie Ed Perotti, and he built a call for antelope. And we have one on one of our videos uh, a chunk where he actually calls this buck in from like 900 yards and the buck just circles around him a couple, three times, even gets, even gets downwind from him and doesn't spook. And it's, it, they're just a neat animal, just an absolute neat, neat animal. 
Oh, they are. Yeah. Uh, like you say, um, 20 to 30 stocks on average to get one done. That sounds about right. <laughs> the things are so challenging. And, yeah. and um, you know, you talk about their eyesight, you know, an eight power binocular vision or they can see out so far long distances so well, but they can also see about 300 degrees around them. There's only yep. one spot in the very back of their head where they can't see you approaching. Yep. Yep. And uh, you know, but to their Achilles heel, by by having that field of view and having that power, they have real trouble uh, trouble with depth perception. They can't see, they can't see if you're getting closer or further away. So, you know, one of our strategies, one of the strategies we've developed for a long time, uh, stalking them, is if they know you're there, you have the ability if you're starting really a long ways away to get closer to them if you quarter into them. If you don't walk straight at them, you walk kind of quartering into them, and they they have a real trouble with um, depth perception. Holy the God. other thing that they that they struggle with is their curiosity is uh, atrocious. I mean, if the curiosity killed the cat, it's killed a million antelope because they are just uniquely curious to things that aren't uh, that aren't around them constantly. For instance, the other day we were out. Uh, filming and uh, I have a tag here in Wyoming and stop up on this knob and there's these two bucks about 800 yards and I glass them up I'm like oh they're you know they're okay bucks but let's just see what happens and by the time I get out and the camera gal gets out and we get to get ready to put this stock on I look up and these two bucks had run literally they had to have ran because it was only probably less than a minute I look up and they're 20 yards from us standing there looking at us they, they were just curious to see what we were and what we were doing out there. <laughs> just, yeah, of course, you know me. I'm like, well, I, I, that, I, I'm not ready. I don't have anything. By the time they we get figured out that they're that close and they figure out what we are, it's all blown and it's all done. But they are just so curious. They're they're just a neat animal. And you know, a lot of guys don't understand this too. They are not. They're not a goat. They're not a true horn animal. They're not a. They're not related to the deer family. They're actually a unique species, and they came. Uh, they're prehistoric. They came from the ice ages. They have uh, hair that's hollow, like a polar bear or a or a caribou, and they have the ability to um, adjust their temperature by moving their hair, expanding their hair, like flaring their hair, and then uh, shutting their hair down for, to trap uh, air. It's it's just they're just a cool animal. They are, yeah. They're not related to the African antelope. They're not nope. related to the deer species, the goat species. Nope. They, they are they are their own branch of the tree, and they actually evolve. Why they're so fast is they evolve from avoiding the American cheetah, and yeah. the American cheetah went extinct, and the pronghorn survived. Yeah. Yep. Isn't that funny? Yeah, it's just <laughs> there's, wild. There's a management. There's a management. Huh. I'll be danged. <laughs> the predator. <laughs> yeah. Predator died, the prey stayed. That's there. right. Well, <laughs> and, and it's weird to see their makeup. We're so used to seeing mule deer or white-tailed deer that can jump a fence at six foot tall, and mm -hmm. antelope has a real tough time jumping a fence. Their muscles just aren't built that way. They're right. built for speed, and so yep. a lot of the antelope you see choose to go under the fence. Now, I have seen them you know, jump a three- or four-foot fence, uh, yeah. but, but they definitely don't like to. They like to go under, and they just don't have the hops of a deer. No. No, you know, if you look at an, 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 the antelope's makeup, their front legs, 
you know, like a deer will actually have, you know, on a human, it'd be your forearm. Antelope don't. Their, their tendons start way up in their shoulder and they go down their leg. They don't have a forearm. And, and the reason they don't have a forearm is so that when they're running stretched out, it's all leg. It's all huge muscles, not little muscles that are running their hooves. It's huge muscles that are running. Um, the other thing is when you see an antelope running and his tongue's hanging out, people are like, oh, my gosh, that antelope's been run to death. Uh, actually, it hasn't. They have the ability to move their tongue aside which opens up, uh, opens up their larynx or opens up their throat and allows more air in to, number one, cool them off and also so they can run faster, run longer. Um, you know, I, I've, I've, they, they're just a cool animal. I've, I've seen them run 65 miles an hour down the highway. You'd be clicking down the highway and an animal's running next to you down the borrow pit. You're doing 65 on a nice flat paved highway and he's jumping ditches and stuff at 65. <laughs> And they just like to race. It's not like you're chase, they're chasing you or you're chasing them. They just like speed. I'm convinced they love the speed. And they'll lay next to a highway and just watch cars drive by because I think they like the speed. <laughs> they like to run, don't they? Yeah, they do. They yeah. just like it. Yeah, yeah, they're they're really fun to chase. They're really challenging with a bow and arrow, and sometimes mm-hmm. they'll make a mistake. Curiosity will get the better of them. But yep. for the most part, where I'm at, you, you really have to get your stocks right if you're going to spot and stalk them. Now, there's different yeah. tactics. You know, you can play into their weakness rather than their strength. I think spot right. and stalking is playing into their strength. Uh, yes. They're so good at picking you out up there, uh, but. You know, nothing has improved my hunting skill and my stalking skill like antelope because yes. you just get so many opportunities. You can get yes. five stocks a day where all of elk season, you, you yes. may only get five stocks a season. And so right. you're able to learn from those stocks, like you were saying earlier, learn from your mistakes, what you can get away with. And also when you when you see an antelope, you're able to kind of look at them and say, is, is that a high percentage opportunity or a low percentage opportunity? Right. Because you can try to stock those things in the flats all day long every day and never kill one like you got to find one that's in a good spot like yes, uh using yes. the contours of the land to hide your approach you know and and even yep. if you have to crawl in the end um you, you really gotta gotta use those rises and those dips to be able to move in and close into them and find yep. one that's bedded in a bad spot exactly and and bedded that's key you know a lo- the majority of my antelope um, I have ambushed, meaning they have laid down um, and they're just hanging out and you're able to find a way to get around or get to them where you surprise them because their sensors are so amazing. And, you know, they're really wary of wind, which the wind always blows on the plains, right? They're really wary of wind because everything's moving. And so their, their, their senses are just heightened. Um, whereas if you can find them bedded down, they're kind of taking a, a snooze or they're surrounded by other antelope that, that helps a ton, um, and on the stock ability, um, you know, they're, they're one of the cool, like you said, they're one of the coolest things because you get a ton of uh, stocks. So you learn a ton about st- about your ability to stock. Uh, the other thing is, is they don't, if you butter one, it's really rare if they leave the country most of the time. You can come back the next day or even that, you know, later that day and that antelope will still be there. Is that, you know, he might be a little bit more weary, but he's still in the same area. Uh, there's, I don't know, probably three or four times in my life I've had, I've had an antelope where I've missed him and I just stood there or stayed, you know, right where I was 
And two hours later, that antelope, and I watch him with binoculars, run this huge four-mile loop, come back within a couple hundred yards of where he was. And by the time he comes back, he's all relaxed and hanging out again because it's his area. Now, that happens mostly with alpha bucks where um, they're kind of a, kind of like whitetail where they have their own range. They, they have their own little area, and they chase the other bucks away. Even if they don't have does, they keep the other bucks out of their little area. Um, they kind of have they kind of have little, little egos it's fun <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way to put it yeah they do have egos don't they yeah they they definitely have a home range and where you find a good buck you'll turn them up in there multiple times even if you even if you booger them up like you're saying yeah you do that with a mule deer and if you get a second chance you're you're you know you're really lucky you never get a third you're here unless it's the next year you know, he's he is not going to put up with that. Yeah. So. Or, or elk just relocate to the next yep. county. <laughs> yeah. Well, elk, never... that's like that's like four leaps in there in the next county. <laughs> they <laughs> sure is. they, they <laughs> don't have home ranges. No, they love to travel. Yeah, yeah those those antelope are fun and um so tricks of the trade for these antelope um it's a little bit different you really have to use your pickup truck as a tool as the yes. country that they live in is so vast and so yes. you don't have to feel bad and not that you're a complete road hunter or something like that but you have to use your vehicle as a tool to travel around these vast landscapes to look for these more mature bucks yeah. otherwise you know you can see almost everything out in that prairie and so it you know it doesn't do a lot of good to walk out there you know unless you see a buck to go stock and so you use your 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 vehicle as a tool to kind of travel around yeah. now there are exceptions as it gets more into the high pressure and into rifle season around here you know we'll hike in you know a couple miles to get vantage points that nobody else is getting to locate antelope but right. I, I really do use my truck as a tool to locate antelope to to make stocks or find stocks and and then from there you know you try to make this strategic methodical you know play on these bucks to try to yep. get into range but you really use your vehicle to to travel around locate bucks yeah it, it's just it, you know it's just helping the odds you know you have you'll have one buck in a in a five mile square mile area or one mature buck and a couple of little bucks you know if you didn't you would be hunting that buck and it would be uh it would be a different hunt and, and most guys including myself I, I use my truck just like you do and we, we'll travel around you know i'll put I have I watched my dad one time. I am not joking. Put 1,200 miles on in seven days uh, on two track roads, antelope hunting, just trying to find a Boone and Crockett. And he finally did on the last day of the hunt. But 1,200 miles on two track roads in seven days. You start doing the math on that. That's that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of bumps and a lot of uh, headache. But you know that's that's an advantage. And and you have the ability to say you 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 know booger a stock and you go 10 miles down the road and find another buck. Um, yeah. So using your truck is, is a huge strategy. Uh, there's a ton of, of, you know, do's and don'ts, you know, when you are, when you are walking around out there, if you do do a, a you know, a two mile hike into a roadless area, which we do a lot, uh, walk, don't walk next to each other, walk in front and behind each other. So you look more like a four legged animal. Uh, that, you know, that you look a lot less suspicious. Um, the other thing that, that you do is, is when you get close to an antelope, and this is any animal, be careful with your eyes. Uh, I'm convinced that, that antelope and deer and elk look at your eyes that are on the four, the front of your face 
as a pre that's a sign of a predator as as you know ungulates their eyes are on the side of their heads and you know just be careful with that i use my hat brim a lot and i don't ever i try not to do you know direct eye contact with them um that it's a weird thing but that's what they do you were talking about them jumping fences or sliding under them um they you know fence lines are a, a good use uh, in fact, I've, I've seen a buck use a fence line. Uh, he had a hot doe and they rut, you know, that early September and he had a hot doe and pushed her up against the corner of a fence and wouldn't let her out of there. And uh, so, you know, fence lines are a, an awesome use of <laughs> useful tool because you can look like a fence post pretty easy at two legs. Yeah, um, that's right. That's interesting. Yeah. They, okay. They, can't look, they, they, have, they have trouble looking through them for some reason. It's like they can't see what's on the other side of the fence. It's weird. Hmm. Um, yeah, so that that's that's good stuff. Um, knowing knowing their patterns and their habits, knowing where their water is. Uh, Brandon right now is antelope hunting here in Wyoming, and he found the only water hole, and he's got a really nice buck up there. So he's been sitting in a in a blind that uh, he's got he's got uh, set up. He set it up about three weeks ago, and it's just been sitting there. And uh, the first week he's going down there and I said, you know, you ought to take some of those Montana decoys and some decoys down with you. And he's like, man, I, I don't want to booger him out and uh, have him go to the next watering hole, which is like 10 miles away. I said, don't use them. Just put them up. I said, there'll be a distraction. He came back here yesterday. He goes, you wouldn't believe how well that works. He goes, he goes, we were moving inside that blind and making noise. But that, that buck wanted nothing. To, he didn't really care about us. He cared about the doe, the feeding doe, and the doe standing up and the little buck standing up. He was all, you know, posturing toward him and stuff as he came in. He could care less about us. I said, see, he just used it as a distraction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a, a taxidermist buddy of mine here in town. Uh, he actually mounted a couple does and mounted hmm. them laying down on a form, and he lays them out in front of his blind, and he got his kid a 15-yard shot last year, but he sets those out during the rut, and it just yeah. attracts bucks from all around. So, yeah, yep. playing – Playing to those those antelopes' weakness is, is so effective too, and it's a chess game too in, oh, that, yeah. in those blinds, and it, oh. it's dang near just as grueling or more. Like you oh, you sweat weird. out buckets of water inside oh. those blinds. They got to be 120 degrees oh. this time of year. Oh. They're brutal. Yeah, they are. I, there's a scene on Ace Ventura that he climbs out of a rhino. <laughs> I was I was sending Brandon gifts. <laughs> is it hot in those rhinos? <laughs> He said, it's 120 in here. I said, well, watch out for snakes because at that temperature, it's the coolest spot in the county. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, you do got to watch for rattlesnakes when you're hunting yeah. antelope. They go hand in hand. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Of course, now, now he's blind. It's, it's been raining for a couple of days, so he's blind. Uh, it's hiatus out there in the mud. He can't even get to it, but. Well, that's the the worst thing about blind hunting is when you get rain that uh, yeah. they don't have to come to that water source anymore. But no. you're you're right. It's uh, those antelope um, finding their water source is so important. And whether you're setting a blind up on it or you're just hunting antelope in yeah. general, like yeah. knowing that they have a water source and whether it's a cattle tank, you know, a, a lot of it here is irrigation ditches or creeks mm -hmm. and things. But you yeah. know then that you can find antelope in that area when they have water. Water. I, w I would say they have to be within, gosh, I, I'd say like two to four miles of water, yes. wouldn't you say? I? Yeah, absolutely. Two to four miles of water, and they'll travel the same route to get to it. You can, you can walk up to one of those cattle fences, 
and see where the antelope, I mean, it looks like a, it looks like a paved highway underneath that where you can see right where they're crawling underneath the fence every single day. That's another great place. You know, when I was talking about fences, that's another great place to ambush them is where they're crossing the fence because they'll cross the fence within, within 10 yards of each other constantly, every time. It's the dangest thing. Yeah, absolutely. Or um, I've had a buddy that's been pretty successful setting up blinds on those mm-hmm. crossings as well. And, yep. and what he'll do is he'll walk that whole fence row and then he'll find those places and there might be two or three places where they're crossing. And so yep. he'll kind of stick some brush in those other spots so they yep. have to come to his spot and cross, yep. you know, but he's yep. done well doing that. Where they could just slide down two feet and crawl, crawl underneath the fence, but they won't because that's not where they, so they'll go to the next the next hole. Uh, yes, yeah. next crossing yeah. spot. Yeah, they're creatures of habit, aren't they? Yes, they are. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> they're neat. <laughs> they're so neat. Yeah, and so when when I'm cruising around and I'm looking for antelope, uh, we, t- we touched on it a little bit, but I am looking for those high percentage stocks. I could find the biggest buck in the world, but if he's not in the right spot, I'm not going to make a play because yeah. I – I, I failed at enough of those stocks and, and failed at enough of those that I've learned my lesson that, that that's not going to pan out. I'm probably not going to kill that buck. And so I'll just keep searching. And I'm I'm looking for a buck that's going to bed, you know, somewhere over a little contour of land, over yep. a little bench where I can get close and kind of let things happen from there. Yep. Well, and knowing the area, you you know, there's one of the places we hunt in Colorado there is, we call it the moon. There's a place in the middle of the of the pasture that is flat as a pancake, and there's always a really nice buck out there. But rarely do we ever hunt there because it's as flat as a pancake. So we go to the places that have a little bit more broken up country. And, uh, you know, it's it's easier to stock, and, and uh, there's places that the bucks like to lay because they can lay in out, out, out of the wind. And, then you know, they're completely stockable. Absolutely. Play into their weaknesses. Yep. Well, and and, um, you had talked about how a lot of your plays come from intercepting them. uh, And Mm -hmm. it's it's such a great skill to learn that can be applied on other animals. You know, all of these skills that these antelope will teach you, you know, you can apply that to all your deer hunting and your elk hunting. But you just get so much more of that experience. You you learn so much quicker hunting antelope. But I like intercepting them as well as seeing a herd of antelope or a buck moving a certain direction and then just trying to get in front of them and set yourself up and you you want to make sure that you don't give yourself away you don't skyline yourself or let them yep. see you but boy if you get in front of those things they'll they'll walk right by you yep absolutely the other thing I, i've i've done in the past is um you know there's one of the places we hunt is has an oil field in it so there's tons of roads everywhere and it seems like those antelope that are around those oil fields are a lot more used to traffic so you have the ability to um, to stalk them easier. Now you can pull, I, I've, I've, I've done this. You pull up to them 20 yards away in a pickup and they'll just lay there and look at you. As soon as you get out, it's a completely different game. Um, I actually had a friend in high school. He, he was, had antelope tag and literally we pulled up there, saw the antelope backed up. He got ready, got his arrow knocked the whole nine yards. He climbs in the passenger seat I pull up really slow, and he just stepped out and drew as the truck went by him and smacked the antelope. Now I don't know, you know, what everybody thinks of that, but that was a, an effective way for a first for a 16-year-old kid to shoot a bow 
an antelope with his bow for the first time. It worked like gangbuster. Because <laughs> it kept watching the truck go by, yeah, right? It kept its eyes on the truck. And all of a sudden, there's this two-legged thing throwing sharp sticks at him. Yeah, that's um, you're right. <laughs> They'll watch that truck. And um, I find, too, like there's some country where antelope, where they don't see a lot of traffic, where they see a truck, and they'll run. And you'll be a mile away from them, and they'll yeah. just take off running. Like they yeah. know that you're hunting them. But there's yeah. other places around where you're right. They don't pay much attention to vehicles and so that's exactly what i'll do is i i won't stop and look at a buck if i see one like i'll drive right by him and i'll wait till i can hide my truck you know down in the draw or down in the next spot and then i'll make a strategic play on them because they know if you stop that truck or pay them any attention you know that's when they get nervous and so i just keep driving right on by and then i'll stalk back to them yeah, and you know one of the one we, we can talk about trophy quality now. That the one of the the struggles that a lot of guys have when they come out here is you see so many antelope. Um, you know, if you're coming coming out to Wyoming, if you don't see twenty bucks in a day, that's a pretty rough day. And and not you know being able to hold off and get used to judging them in the field. Um, you know, not to shoot the first first buck you see because you'll get really disappointed quickly um and then being able to judge them you know that the we call it the rule of seven so you want seven inch bases you want the second measurement which is usually right below the prong to be seven inches you want the prong to be seven inches long and then you want uh, a four inch measurement these are diameter measurements above the prong and then a three inch measurement halfway between the prong and the tip and then have it 14 inches long um, you know, that, that's kind of the rule seven. If you add that up, it's, I think it's a 82 inch goat or something, uh, close to that. You know, that's, that's the rules of seven. Now you obviously have to, not every one of them's built that way. Sometimes you have six inch or five inch cutters, but he's got eight inch diameter or he's, he looks like he's got seven inch diameter in really short cutters, but you get to add that, you know, that that depth into the cutter length. And so he looks like he has short cutters, but he really doesn't if you add the, how big around he is, um, or he's really, really tall. So it makes him look thinner. Um, you know, the, the, the rule of thumb, my, my girls say this all the time, dad, does he have baseball bats on his head? <laughs> well, it looks like he's got two black baseball bats sitting on his head. That's a good goat. That's a really good goat. And, you can usually notice those at 60 miles an hour down the highway. <laughs> Absolutely. You know it when you see a good one. Yeah, yeah. I, I almost use the rule of sixes when I'm bow hunting because I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking. Um, I usually look for um, a respectable, great representation of an antelope. Yep. Usually if he's 70 inches, I'll make a play because just with my bow and arrow Absolutely. like we were talking about, Absolutely. I need multiple stocks. And the fun of those things is making a play on them. And so I am yet to kill my big 80-incher and I've seen a handful of them around, but the area that I'm in, you know, 75 to 80 is pretty top of the heap. And so I I look for like a 70 inch buck and, you know, I think um, Pope and Young is 66 or 67 right in there. Yep. 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 And so for a Pope and Young goat, you know, a Pope and Young goat in Wyoming, it's, it's dang near every one you see. I would think if he's got, if we always say, if he's got cutters, 
He's a pulp and young buck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you need them to be about 11, 12 inches tall, and yeah. uh, you know they got to have a little little mass, and then they've got to have a cutter, like you say. But yeah. um, usually, if they're uh, uh, 70 inches or above, I'm gonna make a play. It's a good representation of antelope, good mature animal, and so that's kind of what I'm looking for when I'm stalking those things. But um, to judge those 80s would be more like if you have a good rifle tag or a really yeah. good bow tag, and you're really Really looking for the the top of the heap, you know, the yep. that Boone and Crockett antelope. Then you're yep. looking for that rule of sevens, and you're looking for those baseball bats on top of yep. their head. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. And the cool thing about Wyoming is, if you draw a tag in Wyoming, unless it's a Type Nine, which there's a there's a couple areas, but you you can hunt them with a, with the archery rig, and then come back and hunt them with a rifle. And you know, I do that every time I draw a tag because. It, go out there for two or three days and cover the country. You can see what's in there, see if you can find something huge. And if you find something huge, then you have to make a decision. Do I want to try and shoot it with my bow or do I want to come back during rifle season or do I want to shoot, you know, a a 72 inch goat with, with my bow? Um, You know, it's, that's the fun. And like I said, it's a perfect starter hunt as my dad's written forever. It's a perfect starter hunt because you see ton, you see tons of animals. It's the weather's always pretty nice. I mean, rarely I've only hunted in the snow a couple times where it was brutal. Um, the the trains neat. You hunt out of the truck, so if you get in trouble, you know it's not not life or death. You don't have to be in in super shape to do it. Uh, you know, it, it they're a great tasting animal if you if you if you do it right. Now there's I've had I've had uh, got stuck where you know they got too hot during the day because it is warm. You know you got an antelope roll around the back of your truck and it gets hot. And you don't get to hide off quick enough and cool down fast enough. And, and they don't spoil. They just don't taste as good. Um, you know, that's that type of stuff. But there, there's just a it's a fun starter hunt and one to start every kid on. I think every kid needs to start antelope hunting as soon as they can. That's that's one of my first big game animals was was an antelope. Uh, pretty sure uh, guys was my dad's was. I mean, it's just that's just the fun of uh, of it because you. You know, it's not physical. It is a little boring as a as a 12 year old kid bouncing around out there looking at antelope and and oh, that's uh you know he's not 12 inches, he's 11 inches. Oh, I don't care, but uh, it's it's a great time spent in the field with your kids. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's how I started my wife out. And uh, my kid uh, didn't draw the tag to start with, so hers first was a mule deer. But now we have her antelope hunting. You're yep. right. It's just a perfect starter hunt. And, and it's also, you know, a great starter hunt for Western hunters to come out and have yep. some success. And really the, the fun of hunting is, is seeing the animals you're after and watching them. And then, yep. you know, for me, bow hunting, the whole fun of it is trying to get close and making plays. In antelope, yep. you're just full of plays. Like your whole day is spent trying to shoot one with a bow and arrow you're always trying to stalk one and trying to get close and and they are really challenging with a bow and arrow and they can be challenging you know with a rifle as well you can't just walk out into the field and shoot one they're they're (laughs) usually longer shots and you you still have to find them in a good position where you can stalk them where they don't see you approach and so it is a challenging hunt you just have a lot of opportunity and opportunity is what makes it really fun Yes, absolutely. And, and the ability, you know, you're, if that's your first Western hunt, you can hunt antelope and usually deer are in the same area. Sometimes that's a, a general tag, which is a little easier to draw. And, you know, you can, you can sometimes do an antelope deer combo hunt, which is a lot of fun. 
Um, you know, that it's, it's, it's a great starter, um, hunt. Plus it's a great, you know, that's my dad, uh, loves to antelope hunt because once you, you get, you know, there's progression in, in hunting and, and you watch stages of hunters and you get to a certain point and, and, uh, they just want to hunt Boone and Crockett bucks. And he's, you know, he spent, like I said, 1200 miles, seven days, seven day season. He spent the whole thing out there trying to find a Boone and Crockett buck and, and not just a one, but one that will, that will go all time, um, all time in the books. And, uh, that's, that is not an easy feat. That is still crazy. 1200 miles on two track roads. Hey, that's, a uh... That's grueling in itself. That's unreal. Um, yeah, yeah you, you do the math at how many miles he was traveling a day. Uh, that's just nuts. But you know, that's what it takes is covering a lot of country to find those things. And and um, they they can you know even with antelope, what kills me too is like you you get everything right with your stock and you get in close and you finally get an opportunity. Those things will jump your string bad too oh, with yeah. a bow and arrow. They oh, yeah. are quick on their feet and not just <laughs> like duck your arrow like a whitetail they're they're three four yards out of the way of your arrow by the time it gets there it can be so frustrating when you when you finally get it right and then they jump your string like that oh yeah or or they have the ability to 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 not just jump it but they can also dive underneath it um i can't tell you how many times i've had antelope dive and and you shoot over their back you're like what the 30 yards how did i do that and then you know look at the footage and that buck's literally pancaked on the on the ground and then sprung up and ran 80 miles an hour um yeah that's it's amazing how fast their their reactions are yes they're so quick i had uh i had one buck that i socked it was a pretty nice buck like a 70 incher and um you know usually you get one shot at them and like you were talking sometimes you get a second stock well um, I got three shots at this buck, and this this buck jumped my string every single time. I had to stop hunting this buck because I just couldn't hit him. He had just he had him smarter. <laughs> oh my gosh! I, yeah, I had missed him three times. I was just beside myself, and every time he jumped that string, you know. So I I finally had to go find a different antelope that might stay still for a shot. Start shooting three feet above him. <laughs> <laughs> Guess where he's gonna be, right? <laughs> like yeah. white dawning. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, and, and uh, you were talking about, too about how you can combo it with a deer hunt. Um, another thing you can do is you can hunt antelope all day long. It's part yes. of what makes them fun. Is yes. you know you can you can have your kids sleep in in the morning and you guys can have breakfast. I mean, yep. definitely early morning. They're moving a lot and that's a They're good a time to be to out there. The sun comes up too. Yep. But um, you can hunt them all day long, and so like uh, I have some buddies that are coming out this year to hunt elk, and so we'll hunt elk in the mornings and evenings, and then in the middle of the day we'll chase antelope all day long, and so oh, it's yeah. a it, it's a fun action packed hunt when you can combo them like you were talking about. Now I, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna warn <laughs> the audience here: be careful in the middle of the day with the heat waves because antelope. Uh, have a tendency because they're black with the heat waves they look bigger through a spotting scope or binoculars and then and then you get up on them um, and go gosh that that doesn't seem as big as it did uh, there's a lot of ground shrinkage in the middle of the day not such a big thing with archery tackle uh, because you've got you know you're, you're getting that under 60 yards before you pull the trigger but I've seen a lot of guys and, and it happened to me once 
where you shoot a buck and the heat waves are real bad and you walk up on it and go, did I shoot the wrong buck? And you go look at the footage and you go, no, that's the same buck. It's just the heat waves made him look bigger. So. Oh, you're so right. I forgot about that. Yeah. I have uh, stalks and bucks that I thought I saw baseball bats on top of their head <laughs> and I get up there and they don't even have prongs. They're not even a Pope and Young. You're yeah. right. The, those heat waves make them look so much bigger than they are. Yeah. So yeah, that is one thing to be careful with if you're trophy hunting antelope is to yep. make sure that you're not stalking a, a small one in the heat waves. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And they rut for a long time oh, too. In the antelope rut, it's so exciting and thrilling. Drilling to hunt them during the rut. Uh, those, those bucks, you talk about them having an ego with their home range. They have a huge ego come to rut. Oh, they yeah, run they, they, every buck out of the country, and they'll run themselves ragged just oh, yeah. trying to keep bucks a mile away from their does. It, it's a great time to, to capitalize on them moving around, chasing other bucks out, chasing other does out. And it can work, you know with you or for you and it can also work against you too because yes. they can change locations and be gone just all yes. of a sudden or you know um there there's a lot of things that happen during the rut sometimes bucks will be traveling so there's there's what we call alpha bucks and these alpha bucks it doesn't mean that they're the the biggest buck it just means they have a little bit of a napoleon complex <laughs> um, so they have their they have their area um, but there'll be also traveling bucks. And, you know, if you find a traveling buck and he's, he lays down and gives you a stock, you better get after it because you may never see him again. He's just traveling around looking for does. Uh, but the Napoleon complex bucks, you're right. They're fun to watch. They, they run other bucks around. They run the does around. I am about half convinced. I don't know. I don't know anybody that's done the research that says this, but I'm half convinced that they have to run those, those doe antelope. Uh, a certain length and a certain time to get them to uh, go into heat because they will run them ragged. And then, then finally it's like the doe gives up and, and lets them breed them. It's, it's the damnedest thing. Or they get them in, you know, up against a fence or up against a, a rock wall or down in a, a little draw where the, the does can't get out and he'll just run them back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until it happens. So oh, I, yeah, it, I hadn't thought about it that way, Ike. You're right. Um, they do. They run them like crazy before yes. they breed them. They really yep. run those does around. Like like you say, almost like they have to wear them out to catch mm -hmm. them. Um, yeah, if we had to do that to find our girlfriends or wives, I'd never have one because they run miles and miles. <laughs> what are you talking you know? about, Brian? I call that college. I ran a lot of girls around. It never worked. But... <laughs> Don't tell my wife. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Yeah, you're so right. They They have to wear them out before they before the does accept them as the as the buck or as the breeder for sure the other cool thing about them that i i actually have uh, photos of this i'm convinced is or i have photos and i'm convinced this is true people always go why is there so many weird antelope you know that you'll see in a buck that has one horn that's just normal and the other one goes straight down his nose or the other one goes flat as a pancake goes out like a like a fly on the side you know a flyer um, what they do is those does, when they have those those young ones, they stand up and they come out head first. And I have a photo. One of my high school friends took this photo of an antelope, uh, female antelope, having her, her fawn. And she dropped that thing right on a rock head first. And it was right next to their house. So they watched this antelope grow up. And sure enough, one of his horns was messed up. I, I think it messes their pedestals up when they get dropped on their head and then that buck will be that way forever. 
Oh, wow. That that would explain it. Um, sure. yeah, because there's not too many of them, the freak antelope. But no. but every once in a while, you see one that's a freak like that, and you wonder what happened to him. Yeah. That's a good theory. And, and, if, and if you're in, you know, Montana is a lot more grass. You know, there's not a, a ton of, it's not a rock pile. But in certain areas, like where these guys live, it's a rock pile. They live on a rock pile. You know, these antelope are living at, at 7,000 feet, and they they have a tendency to have way more freaks than anywhere else. And I think it's, I think, I'm convinced that's what it is. Oh, huh. Yeah, that's wild. Uh, my buddy Dan, he just harvested a really nice antelope. He said it was a personal best, and I, he killed one like a couple years ago that went 80. So this one is just a beast wow. of an antelope. The, the one side is gigantic, but then the other side is a freak like you're talking about. It goes up above the prong and then almost has like two main beams, just a really oh, freaky one, but just a great antelope. I was pumped for him. Yeah, he got it done on opening day, um, stocking those. Saying they're pretty cool to see. Yeah, and there's no there's no non typical category for antelope, so you gotta count it. <laughs> there isn't, huh? You just no. um you measure them all the same, so you get to count all those inches when you kill one yep. non typical, huh? Yeah, I think so. I've I've never seen one with two two tops like that. I I don't know. I'd have to ask Roger Selner, the the deer tour manager, scored more animals than anybody else. I think. Um, I'd have to ask him how that how that works, but I know. I had an antelope one time that had a, a double prong. You had a prong out one, one up out the front and then out the back. And it just so happened that where you start the measurement is on the back of the horn to measure the prong. And it, it goes right parallel with the top of the prong. And it just so happened we got, I got to count a chunk of, of that, uh, of that back prong as length. Now, I don't know if it hurt me or, or hindered me because it, it, one side had like a nine inch prong and the other side had a six inch prong. And so you deduct and you actually get three inches of deductions, which would have been about the same, but it was pretty neat. It still grossed really good huh. for fishing anyway. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, gross is what us hunters use. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. um, yeah. I shot one with a double prong once that had a prong facing inside and then one facing normal. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was a cool buck. Really yeah, cool. so every once in a while you run across a freak like that, but yeah. um, they're really fun to hunt during the rut. They, you can also, another tactic uh, that you guys have probably heard of is decoying them, and that oh, can yeah. be I- extremely thrilling. Like, uh, it, it can rattle your cage worse than anything else. Like, those things come running in on a mission, <laughs> and it's those those bucks with that Napoleon complex yep. like you were talking about, yeah. but all of a sudden you crawl in, and you crawl about as close as you can get, and there's... You know, like the Montana decoy ones, and you, yep. they're they're flat, but you just pop them up, and usually it's a small buck decoy, and you yep. pop it up, and you better be ready when you pop yeah. that thing up, because yep. that thing is running in, and it's yep. it's not like a longer bow shot. Like you're gonna have to shoot that thing in self defense pretty quick. Like, he, is, he is coming <laughs> for you. To club him as he goes by. <laughs> oh man, they come in close. But yeah. um, and, and uh, so that decoy can be really fun. But yeah, you gotta be ready. And the toughest thing I found is trying to get the stakes in the ground of that decoy you you pop them up all of a sudden that buck's coming and you can't get that decoy to stick in the ground so you can draw your bow to to get a shot at them if you're like me it's always i always pop it up right on top of a rock and (laughs) and by the time i've got it all situated he's came up stopped turned around and ran off the other thing that i've never got to work for me but i know a couple guys that have is cow decoys moo cows use big old black angus uh decoy 
and walk out there behind the decoy and those antelope look at it like it's just a cow. Um, I've never got it to work, but uh, I know guys that have. And uh, that's, you know, especially if you're hunting an area that has a lot of cows, they're used to them. Yeah, I had a buddy that had that work as well. Yeah, he had a two-person cow decoy. And then, yeah, they went out with three buddies out to eastern Montana, which can be really good antelope hunting. They Mm -hmm. have some big ones out there. And, yeah, I think they killed three bucks behind that cow decoy. Yep, yep. It works. I've never got it to work, but I've, I've seen people that do it. Well, and that's like that decoy, and it has to be the right time of year, and it has to be yep. the right buck, and you're going to fail a few times. You're going to yep. plop it up on some bucks, and they're not going to pay attention, or they're going to go the other way. But yep. that one that does work, it, yep. he's going to be close, and it's going to happen right now. Yeah, I was on. I was filming when I was in high school. I was filming my dad, and he shot uh, he shot a Pope and Young buck with his with his recurve bow, and um, this is oh my gosh. 30 years ago, close to I'm getting old. Um, and it was a plastic decoy that we had and we popped it up and it was a good thing. He was shooting a recurve cause that buck came in so fast that, uh, my dad, when my dad stood up, the buck kept coming and my dad had to talk to him to get him to stop so he could shoot him. Cause <laughs> he thought, you know, I, I thought, Oh, here we go. We're going to get, we're going to get run over by a 110 pound antelope. <laughs> They get rage in their eyes, don't they? It's seeing red, period. <laughs> they really do. Yeah. Um, well, and I think it's good to just have all those tactics in your playbook. Like, I really like spot and stalking because it improves my skills so much. But if you are shooting a recurve or, you know, spot and stalking, a lot of times your shots come at longer yardages, too. And, and things don't always happen perfect like it's really tough to get everything right and hit those small animals in the right spot and so like i think it's good to incorporate blind hunting a little bit and trying to find water holes it's good to have a decoy because sometimes you find those those antelope in the wide open there's no chance for a spot and stock but there may be a chance to crawl out there and pop up a decoy and see what happens and so I think it's good to have all those tactics at your disposal, yeah. know all the, the, the different the different tactics that work, and, and then be ready to, to utilize them when you come across that scenario. Exactly. Absolutely. And it, you know, it's just a, it's just a lot of tools in, in your, in your box and being able to use them and, and, and recognize the situation and, and get out there and have a bunch of fun. Cause 22 stocks a day is a lot of fun. In my opinion, that's, that's now, about 18 is where I get, I go through that frustration uh, phase and I have to talk myself off a ledge. Uh, it's like, it's like if you're a golfer and you can't hit anything, you start throwing your clubs. I start throwing arrows and, but uh, you know, you talk yourself off the ledge and then, then 22, 25 is when it happens. But Yeah, it definitely will test your sanity for sure. I I seem to usually get it done in the first five stocks or it takes me 30. You know, I'm one end of the spectrum or the other, it seems like. But, yeah, when things are going wrong, you you feel like you you just can't get it right. But, yeah, you just got to slow down, uh, slow down for a second. You got to pay attention to the animals you are stalking and to kill an antelope. You you just can't make any shortcuts. You know, you can't just think because you get a lot of opportunities opportunities that you can just walk out you can expose yourself like you have to you have you have to take every stock and and you have to 
you have to give it your all. You have to give it your best effort. If you have to crawl, you crawl. If you if you have to belly crawl, you belly crawl. If you have to crouch, you crouch. Like you can't take those shortcuts and expose yourself. You have to do everything right, and yep. and then that's where you get it get an opportunity and place an arrow in one of those things. So it, it teaches you really good lessons about that. But you you can't take it for granted that you're just going to get a bunch of stocks, and so you're just kind of out there, you know. Uh, haphazardly trying to get these plays on these antelope because that it never comes together. You have to make quality plays on these antelope and you have to remember that. And, and sometimes I have to remind myself of that too. Yeah. Not push it. I, I have a tendency, you know, you start down this rabbit hole where, where you blowing stocks, blowing stocks, and then you start pushing the envelope. Whereas if you sat back and thought about it, you're like, well, why did I do that? That, that? If I would have just waited a couple seconds or, you know, not got so antsy or, whatever it would have played out the way I wanted it to. So. Yeah. That's, that's another thing too, is being patient with those things. Yeah. You're always yeah. trying to force the stock and half the time you get to where that buck was and he's yeah. standing where you were. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you got to be patient with those things too and let them put themselves in a bad situation. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's agree. just like anything. It's just, there's more, you know, more often or more time, you know, a mule deer, you, you know patience because you only have one or two chances. With an antelope, you could have, ten, you know, 20 chances. And so you have, I have a tendency, I have a real tendency to push it and not be patient. Yes. So. And patience kills the buck always. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I it's so much fun talking antelope with yeah. you. I can tell you have the same love for him as I do. And it sounds <laughs> like you have a tag and you've already been hunting the season for I him. Do. I have two, actually. I have one here in, in, in Wyoming and I have one in Colorado. So um, I didn't draw a deer tag or an elk tag. So I'm general on that. But uh, the the antelope I drew, it's, I'm going to. I'm going to make the best of it. I think this is the year going to, that it's going to happen too because we've had the perfect winter. We've had the perfect spring, perfect summer. So I've been I've been seeing some huge goats this year. Have you? They're in Wyoming? Yes. It's It, it might be probably the best I've seen ever in, in 35 years of, of hunting these damn things. Oh, so, what a great year to have a tag. Yeah, I know. And that never, that's, never, that's never my story. I'm usually <laughs> the guy that's like, oh, yeah. I drew it, and they all died this winter. Oh, so <laughs> that was awesome. That's, it. That's the exact thing I thought of is your luck. When you told me you had two tags, I thought, how'd you do that? How'd you cheat the system this year? <laughs> I don't know. Luck is changing. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I found a, a lucky penny somewhere or what, but yeah. That's that good karma, that good clean living's rubbing off on you. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and you got a Colorado tag as well. Are you looking forward to that one? You got a pretty oh, yeah. good unit? Yeah, it's down in southern Colorado. We've hunted it uh, a bunch um, down right on the New Mexico border, and uh, it's a huge. It's it's not public land; it's private land, but it's a huge ranch. We do it on ourselves. We all hunt on our on our own. And uh, this year, I get to actually get to take a gal from Montana. Um, she's our digital subscriber, and she's our our. If you're a digital subscriber, we draw out of the digital subscription list. We draw one person and take them on the antelope hunt. And uh, she drew the tag, and I drew the tag, and so we're going to go down there. It's going to be a blast. It's a it's like 250,000 acres. It's a huge ranch. Um, we'll spend, of course, in Colorado, the season's only seven days, and so we have uh, three full days to hunt. Um, but it's never been a problem. You know, you, unless, unless the weather, if it rains down there, you, you don't go anywhere. Um, but it's always fun. 
it's a it's a blast. So she'll she'll have fun. She's uh she's killed a sheep. She drew a Montana sheep tag here a couple three years ago, and she was actually featured in the magazine. So that that'll be fun. It's pretty oh, cool. Wow, yeah, good for you guys. It'd be a great time. Yeah. Um, I'm really looking forward to getting after him. So I drew my Montana archery tag, and like you say, it's such a great tag because they are easy to draw. It's not like drawing a premium elk tag, like you said in Wyoming. Um, you could, you could, you're almost guaranteed to get a tag every year. Yeah. It, I mean, certain areas, not the area I hunt. That's I, I hunted about every fourth year. Um, but yeah, and there's certain areas in, in the Northeast that they have leftover tags. You could go buy one today and the season's already open. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's just how many tags they have. So yeah. Oh, how cool. Yeah. Same thing here in Montana. We had bow tags left over this year. There's usually some tags out in the the 700s. And and we were talking a little bit about it earlier, but they just eat so good. It's my family's favorite meat. I I think the key to it is getting that hide off quick. And I I process them quick, too. I'll cut Mm -hmm. them up the same day or even the next day. But it's my family's favorite meat. But uh, I have a bow tag here in Montana, and I haven't started hunting them yet. But I've I've grown to really love the antelope rut, and so this yep. early season, you know, August fifteenth, I'll go out if I've got a free day or a free afternoon, mm-hmm. and it's it's great. It's a great hunt to take my kids with me. They both right. enjoy it, but yep. I, I'm really kind of saving my tag for the rut because the rut can can just be insane hunting action, and there isn't many guys out doing it. At least right. here in Montana, you, yep. you have it all to yourself because everybody else is out hunting elk or or deer onto some of their bigger hunts, and I can just yes go out in an afternoon or evening and, and just get some crazy rutting action so yep. i'm looking forward to getting after him with my bow as well yeah well it should be fun you'll have to let me know how you do i'm sure you will yeah likewise um yeah. but but really fun to talk antelope with you Ike. i sure yeah, appreciate you right. taking the time and um yeah i'm gonna check in and see how you do in wyoming and colorado we'll do i appreciate it thanks and good luck i know you got a lot of a lot of uh tags yet to punch so good luck yep thanks Ike. i appreciate yep. it no problem all right, guys. Um, really fun conversation with Ike. Uh, like I say, he just has so much uh, knowledge and experience hunting antelope, and so so many great insights into their their habits and behavior. So, um, really fun conversation with Ike, and and um, man, those antelope are sure fun. If you guys haven't hunted antelope, or even if you have, it's it's like a hunt that I I have to do every year. I just love chasing those things around. It makes me so much better too. Uh, spotting and stalking those antelope is such a high degree of difficulty but you get so much opportunity and you just learn like what you can get away with and what you can't and uh, it really sharpens my skills and a lot of times I'll hunt those antelope before I go on my high country mule deer hunts and it just has me hitting on all cylinders. It's like uh, it just gets you in the routine of spotting and stalking, and and uh, their eyesight's so good that they bust you and humble you. And so you're just you're really in rhythm when you get on you know either a high country mule deer hunt or you know I'll always hunt them before my elk hunts. And um, gosh, it it just uh, it it gets it sharpens your skills, gets you ready for for these other hunts. And and um, antelope are just so fun, and then they eat so good. So um, like I told you guys, I got my antelope on the first stock this year. I wish I would have got a little more chance to hunt them, but, you know, you can't pass a buck that you shoot on the last day. You know, you can't pass them on the first day. So uh, just just took a chance and, um, and made a stock, and it 
came together in a perfect shot. And, um, you know, you can't be sad about that, but I love to hunt antelope. So, um, you know, I'll have to wait till next year and draw another tag. And maybe I'd like to travel a little bit more on these antelope hunts and go to some of these spots where a guy has a chance at an 80 inch or or better like i know eastern montana has got some great hunting and i'm i'm starting to find spots that are like an hour away from my place that that really hold some better genetics and some bigger bucks in fact that one i killed was a satellite buck he scored 75 inches as a satellite so they've got some great genetics genetics over there and that one had great mass and uh i think i killed my biggest buck over there as well that's right around that 76 or so he's like 14 and a half inches um, good prongs and good mass. So I think I need to research out there a little bit more, but, um, yeah, antelope sure fun. I hope you guys have a tag this year for them and get out and we're just coming into the heart of the rut, which is the funnest season to hunt them and, you know, throughout September. So, um, yeah, hope, hopefully you get some days hunting antelope and, and, uh, you guys come across that booner. So the sponsor for today's show was uh, Six Hour Optics. Um, again, just really impressed with the quality of their optics. Just just high-end optics for a mid-range price, um, and they stand up to anything I've, I've ever looked through. Um, they, they got great clarity, um, great color in them. Um, they're easy on the eyes, so really impressed by their binoculars, spotting scope. Um, their range finders are just absolutely off the hook. I, I think it's the best range finder made, and... Um, it's it's really paying dividends for me this season, you know, being able to get quality ranges on my targets, and and it's going to pay off in the future too. Range finding such this, it's this this underlooked step of harvesting big game animals where you just don't look at it too much, but it is a skill, and it's it's also something that the the higher quality your range finder is, just the better, more accurate your range is going to be, and and that's what it comes down to when you're shooting at animals, and so their range finders are top of the heap. Um, they're priced affordable. Make sure to check them out. They're just putting out great products. Also, their rifle scopes, and then um, their rangefinders. If you're a rifle guy, they've got that app that goes with your phone that talks back and forth that tells you where to hold. It does all kinds of things. I mean, um, it, it's over my head, but you know, they uh, the rotation of the Earth and you know all that long range stuff that they do. It calculates all of it for you. So, uh, just a, amazing products. Thanks to Six Hour for sponsoring the podcast. And, um, yeah, over there at Eastman's, um, we're all going and, and hunting hard. I just can't wait to see what everybody turns up. Can't wait to see, wait to see what the, the end of the season holds for me. I'm going to hunt really hard and, and can't wait to chase these elk around and rutting mule deer and pre-rut mule deer. And, um, you know, hopefully I'll be able to get that, that coos hunt towards the end of the year. And, um, man, it's just, it's been an awesome season so far. It just comes and goes so quick. I just want to make the most out of it and enjoy it as much as I can. And I wish that for you guys too. Um, I've already seen some, some successful photos come through on my feeds and, um, man, I'm, I'm just so happy for you guys and so proud of you guys that are putting in the work that are, they're finding that success and, and, um, Man, that's what it's all about, working hard towards your goals and having it pay off. And uh, so it's been it's been really fun to see a lot of you guys that have dedicated yourself that are that are finding success on on bulls and bucks and antelope. Um, So cool. I just wish you guys the best this season. Um, I really thank you guys for all the support. It's so nice to get um, these positive comments, you know, when you're you know, when you're sharing your hunt with guys and, and uh, sharing these animals that, that mean so much to me and, and the time of field means so much to me. So uh, just thank you guys for all the support. Um, 
so fortunate to be able to have this podcast and have this platform to share information with you guys. And um, I, I just uh, I want to make the most out of this opportunity, and and uh, I want to get you guys that next level information that helps you out. So I'm going to be continuing to work on the podcast and and trying to evolve it and and uh, make it better. But um, yeah, good hunting this season, guys. Um, give them hell, and um, I'll check in with you next week.